Welcome to the Wall Behind and Beyond. I am Chris here with our host Philip. Philip, how are you doing today? Excellent, man. How about yourself? Um, I'm doing pretty good. Um, I'm actually super excited. Uh, I'm coming to see you on Thursday. We got a visit. Yes, we do. It's Thursday, man. I'm so excited to meet you and Kelly in person after this long year we've been having of no visits. Exactly, and um, I'm I'm excited to come and see you, uh, and and for me that's going to be the first time that I've visited anybody who's incarcerated, um, and that comes from a lifetime of being fed a whole lot of myths about what people think prison is like, and where do they get their perceptions of prison? Movies and TV. Yeah, that's the problem, man. You know, we're dispelling this. That's what the walls is all about. Um, we wanted to seek to elevate the voices on the inside to enlighten the minds of those on the outside. And, you know, and spotlight some of this mis- misinformation, man, because that's the reason why a lot of people out in society, um, they tend to look down upon people that's incarcerated if they don't have any loved ones in the situation, you know? Exactly. They look at movies like, and I'll give you an example. Um, while we to do a little bit of research on the show, I went back and watched the movie Con Air. And uh, if you've ever seen that movie, uh, one, it's just it, Nicholas Cage's accent is terrible, but it gives you a really skewed perspective of what prison is like and what those people who are incarcerated is like. It gives the perception that they're all either drug dealers, um, or you know. Um, violent, crazy criminals who, you know, mass murder everybody. Um, it's a very skewed perspective. You know, how does that hurt the image of what incarcerated people are actually, you know, experiencing? Well, that's a good question, and I would like to take some time with that one. And full disclosure, um, since we sit here debunking myths pertaining to the prison industrial complex, I wouldn't be keeping it real with you or myself if I failed to emphatically state the truth. Of course there are good and bad actors in prison, just as much as there are out in the free world. You know, I like to point out that prison is a microcosm of society, which is, as you know, is a macrocosm. Um, also, any place specifically built to house criminals has to have some elements of nefarious activities. However, if all you had to go off was movies and television, you would be left to think that prison is a cold, dark place where nothing positive or productive is taking place. When in all reality, prison, like any other place, is created in the mind. So it's what you perceive it to be. There's opportunity for everyone, no matter where they find themselves. Um, With that being said, if you take a tour through the worst of the worst prison in this country, I can promise you'll find men and women who are working to better themselves mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically. They are learning skills and trades. They are taking cognitive therapy programs. They are practicing or observing religion. They are exercising and bodybuilding. They are repairing damage and broken family ties, and they are preparing for reentry. So I want to talk about some of the good things. I choose to amplify the positive and let the sensational filmmakers highlight the ugly side of my environment because the positive aspects are not mentioned nearly enough. 
No, not even in a uh, a little bit. It's almost always in a negative uh, in a negative light, and you get that mass, like force fed to um, a populace, and then you end up with people who come from like my background, where you know I grew up in a very small town where you didn't get much information outside of town. The information you got was almost always skewed. Um, and that's like I developed my viewpoint of the prison system based off of movies, and that's not unique. So how do we go about changing minds when this is what the vast majority of people develop their perceptions of the prison system off of? Well, the misconceptions hurt, you know, because when those who have no reference only have a negative view of the incarcerated population, this makes them oppose the needed reforms such as sentencing or reentry. It also perpetuates the tough on crime rhetoric that ushered in these racially targeted crime bills. So what I want to do is help the people who don't have the true idea of what it's like here get a better understanding and therefore they'll have more compassion. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm, Absolutely. And, you know, uh, that comes with a lot with really, really changing the minds about everything that has to do with the with the prison system, right? Uh, when uh, when I was coming up, you know, you know, if you went to, I, I had it sold to me that people wanted to be in prison because you got three hots and a cot, right? That's that's how it was perceived. That there were people who would rather be in incarcerated. You know, people with zero idea of what prison is like assume that those in in prison eat well. Uh, You know, the old judge, three hots and a cut, gets thrown around. What's what's the average meal like for someone who is incarcerated? Uh, Yeah, now that's uh, what you see on TV is definitely not what you get. The average meal for one in prison is a high-carb, low-protein, and virtually no vegetables. And it's like starchy and it's cholesterol-filled. A lot of what we get it's full of preservatives too. And the meat is like processed. Uh, when I used to work in the kitchen, I saw some packages and it had labels on them. And the labels were saying, um, not for human consumption. So me and, my, me and my co-workers was looking at these labels and we was like, how can they get away with serving something that says not for human consumption? Uh, well, I think they do a good job of covering certain things up also because we are unable to gather certain proofs or exhibits that will simply, you know, get an attorney general who is uh, DOC's lawyer to present alternative facts to say that we're lying about what we're being served. So they're able to get away with a lot of things. And I'm saying as far as this diet go, we know that it's not nutritious. We know that it is not um, the, the right amount of calories. And um, most people in prison, if they don't have, um, like, store or they don't get packages from home, they're probably very skinny and they're probably not healthy. You know what I mean? And even that food that we get is not healthy. So you have to do the best you can. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. I, and my next question was, are the meals nutritionally sound? Uh, but you answered that pretty thoroughly with uh, not for human consumption meat. 
Um, but how does this impact like overall health, like things like the heart, people with heart conditions, um, people with, within the, the black community, I, I believe they're at a higher risk for a uh, high blood, not high blood pressure, but something to do with the heart. Right. And if you look at the numbers of those who are incarcerated, uh, they're, they're massively skewed towards the black community. How does this lack of nutrition in your, in, in meals impact, uh, the death rate and like the, the, you know, living in general well, i don't know about i don't know about the death rate what i do know is that uh most of me and my friends or the people that came in with me that's been locked up as long as i have most of us have hypertension um early signs of um borderline uh diabetic um you know high blood pressure uh, due to the uh, hypertension and heart disease um me myself right now I um I have like high blood pressure and I have to take medication for that. Uh, but when I came in, man, I didn't I didn't need anything. I didn't have anything. I was young. I was uh, very. I worked out a lot. Um, but the diet, man, is just it's just overall it's just all bad, man. Because ain't nobody can be in prison for thirty years eating this stuff and not end up having some type of health problem as a result. And that's the proof is because everybody around me has the same type of issues. So it, it's, I mean, it, it sounds like it doesn't matter. Like if you're eating this, it doesn't matter who you are. If you're eating garbage, eventually it's going to take to uh, impact your overall health. And, you know, this you know, cushy viewpoint of, uh, of people being able to eat well or get these three hot meals is completely skewed. You know, it's... It's one of the more prevalent myths of uh, you know incarceration, but the most prevalent myth deals with sex, homosexuality, and rape in prison, and that is probably the most talked about. What most people know about prison and how they skew what prison is like. Um, you know, if you develop your perspective off of TV for movies. Uh, one would have the perspective that everyone who enters the system is either a victim of a, a victim of rape, a perpetrator of rape, or takes over a homosexual lifestyle. St- lifestyle. How far is that from what prison is actually like? Uh, first and foremost, uh, I want to begin by saying I sympathize with any man or woman who has been a victim of sexual assault, whether in or out of prison. I think you have to go back a, a lot longer than I have been in to recall the times when some big ugly dude was running the yard picking out fresh meat to make his prison girlfriend. You know, that that hasn't really been my experience in here. I don't see that anymore. That's stuff you see on TV. Um, I've heard crazy stories like back in the day, all the new guys had to walk through death row to get the child. Um, This was when I was in the Maryland Penitentiary. It was the first place I went when I was 20. And back then, the cell doors used to be left open all day until the last count. Um, these death row dudes were staying in their doorways waiting for a scared, vulnerable new kid to walk by and snatch them into their cells to rape them. You know, and this was, this was common knowledge because the, the culture was different back then. So, you know, that, that, that snatch a guy up. He's yelling and screaming and people just keep walking like nothing was going on. Um, this was way back in the late 70s and early 80s, though, from what I saw. You have 60 seconds remaining. There's a lady again. Let me finish this. By the time I got to uh, prison in the 90s, it was fading out because the culture of prison was changing. 
There was still what's called grooming or fist finessing going on where young dudes would get tricked into being turned out, which is why the borrowing and lending stuff was made to be a rule violation. Um, I'm going to come back to it uh, when we get back. Hey, we're going to get right back to this topic when Philip comes back. Hello, everybody. This is Philip Allen Jones, and I'd like to let everybody know how you can reach me or how you can find me. Please go to www.jpay.com slash 881-507 at Washington State if you want to reach me by email, www.grantparoletophilip.com. That's my website. Um, for my podcast, you can go to Spotify at the wall behind and beyond and I have a petition on change.org slash in need of a second chance grant parole to Philip Alvin Jones uh, on Facebook just type in Philip Alvin Jones uh, Instagram at Philip underscore Alvin underscore Jones all lowercase and Twitter at Philip A. Jones 71 I look forward to hearing from everyone and please support me and follow me um, as my case uh, depends upon it. Thank you. And now we're back with Philip. Oh yeah man uh, I'm ready to get back into this. I don't have much more on the topic. It's a very touchy subject. Uh, I like to speak on it in a way that gives it its due and its proper respect. Uh, but, you know, I'm going to fast forward 30 years. Um, nowadays, prisons have cameras everywhere. Uh, informants um, and basically a new generation of prisoners who does not really tolerate rapists. Uh, thus, these incidents all but have stopped um, on the surface. You know, you don't really see that kind of stuff. If that's happening, it's being... Um, behind closed doors in somebody's cell and we don't know what's going on and we can't see it. Um, also, they have PREA, which, called, which, is, which is the Prison Rape Elimination Act. Ever since they brought that in, uh, that's one of the biggest reasons that you don't see a lot of that going on like out in the opening no more. Because if someone reports that they were pressured in any way, they will come and lock you up and possibly charge you with attempted or actual sexual assault. No one wants a sex offense tacked onto their list of charges, not only because that is a horrible jacket to wear in prison, but also because it will add time to your sentence. So there's always exceptions. Shit happens, but it is a lot less prevalent than in the movies where you see people being forced against their wills. Nowadays, it's most likely consensual for those who swing that way. And, and if you cut on a movie, that is the perception, you know, that you get. So, I guess, how does this perception hurt the incarcerated and their ability to adjust to life once they leave uh, the system? I think it hurts because when people have things planted in their mind or instilled in their mind, and you say, I just came home from prison or I've been locked up for 31 years, they don't say it. But you're looking in, in their faces and, it, and, it, and, it, and it's like they're thinking, 31 years, what you was doing in there, you know? And um, myself, you know, in my opinion, uh, this, ain't, this ain't about facts. This is my opinion. I believe that aside from rape or any type of activity that a man indulges in here, it was probably already a part of 
something that he explored on the outside, you know, because everybody that comes in here don't just, oh, I'm locked up, I gotta do whatever I can. You know, that's that's never been me. And so, you know, like I said, I don't knock people for their, their lifestyle choices. You know what I mean? I respect and love all people, but at the same time, these are the things that's implanted in people's minds because of the, uh, you know, the closed-mindedness of a lot of people out there in the world. And it, it, I can see that being a, you know, something that's difficult to adjust to because of just the mindset the 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 general populace has, and a lot of that, as we've we've noted, is fed by the media, and that has you know shown itself in in newer ways. And specifically, what I mean by that is the January sixth insurrection, and some of those who've been incarcerated as a result. One of those stories revolves around the QAnon shaman. Allegedly, the QAnon shaman had requested organic food and went on a food strike and was eventually given his, or allegedly given, this organic food. This has led many to believe that those that are incarcerated get special privileges. Can you dispel that myth for us? Absolutely. Now, I I like this question because it's an easy one. And Grace probably can, uh, you know, agree with me. Uh, prison, for the most part, is regulated by policy. Each state has certain policies that dictate what we are allowed to have or not have. It varies, though. It goes, it goes according to where you are and what your state allows. Now, when you talk about special diets, they do have some of the following diets. They got vegan. They got non-dairy. They got halal for the Muslims and kosher for the Jews. Um... Also, if you have a medical issue which prevents you from eating certain foods, like for instance, if you're lactose intolerant um, because you're allergic or something like that, then you can get a med- the medical department that can issue you out an HSR. And um, that's a health services report that you can have in your cell to let it be known that you are not allowed to eat it because you're allergic, and the DOC has to honor that. And if they don't, then the courts intervene and they end up getting forced to do it, and then it's going to be a lot worse because they're going to have to pay some uh, some liabilities. Um, so if someone requests a special diet, it doesn't mean they're going to get it. It only, mean, it only depends on the state, their policies, and whether they have a personal issue that justifies them receiving certain exceptions as it relates to privileges. So when they was on the news talking about this shaman dude, I was laughing because he was in jail, first of all, even if he makes a request, they're gonna be like, "Look, man, this ain't the Ramada Inn. This ain't this ain't the Marriott Hotel or nothing. You ain't you gonna eat what they give you." Now, if he has a religious reason, or he has some type of uh, allergic reaction to certain types of food, then he will get a diet that he can eat. But there's no special privileges, and um, like I say, it's always an exception. So don't get me wrong. Um, you come in here and you John Gotti or something, you might be able to get some stuff, you know what I mean? But it ain't going to go through the prison kitchen. You know what I mean? It's going to go through some other route. So, like I say, it's just different things and nuances in prison that you have to understand. It's, it's interesting that you bring up Gotti because everybody likes to use Al Capone in prison as well as their, well, Al Capone had this, this, and this. You know, it, it's as if that's equitable to now as opposed to, you know, when he was in. Um, but it, again, it just feeds into the misconceptions of the shit people make up. Um, so this next question is, it's, it's going to kind of, it's going to kind of hit on two separate areas. Uh, there's a perception that those who are incarcerated are able to work and make money. 
Um, what are prison jobs actually like? Oh, man, they got all kinds of jobs in prison because remember what I was saying, prison is like a microcosm of society. So we got kitchen workers, we got groundskeepers, we got shower porters, we got day room um, porters, we got um, people that work in correctional industries. Uh, we got all, we got, we got recreation workers, but um, what I think the, the, what prison jobs are actually like is that you do these jobs, like for instance me, I'm a recreation worker. I mean, I'm not a recreation worker, I'm a, a day room porter. So I have to clean up the phones, the tables, um, spray down the microwaves and, you know, sweep the floors and stuff like that. Um, and these jobs only pay you 30 or $40 a month. Um, the problem with this is the prices on the commissary continue to go up, but the pay for the jobs have actually decreased. You know, because at one point they was fifty five dollars. Now you get thirty something dollars, so our prices actually go down. We get less and less each year. Um, and the reason for that has to do with the fact that cor correctional industries used to be uh, minimum wage, but society and people in the community, because of the CO union was going around talking about they giving prisoners minimum wage jobs when all of you guys out here in the free world can't even find a job. And so they started complaining. That's another thing. They, they filled the society's mind with a bunch of garbage, these politicians and these unions. And so they don't want us to have jobs where we can actually take care of our families, take care of our children, you know, pay for, you know, school and, and, and health um, uh, bills and stuff like that, um, hospital bills and stuff. They should want us to make money so that they don't have to take care of us and we'll be able to pay, pay not only take care of this, but pay taxes as well. And that actually, you, you touched on my second point uh, before, I, I mean, before I got to it, which is, you know, just a testament to how bad the system is and how it impa impacts those that aren't just incarcerated, right? People who go and who become incarcerated, they have families at home. So... For those that are in, incarcerated with these families, how how is that struggle? How does that just impact the? I mean, how how much more stressful is that? To, to simply put, imagine, it. imagine, uh, if you will, a single parent, a mom or something. Then she has four or five kids, and the dad went to prison. Say, for instance, he had a job and he was taking care of them. Now she has to figure out how to make ends meet, so she ended up going on welfare. And if she ain't on welfare, she's doing something else to try to bring in some food on the table and pay the bills. But this is the coldest part about it is that they're supposed to be preparing us for reentry. Now, why are they mad that we have a minimum wage job? You know how many companies out there want to come into prison and bring minimum wage because they don't have to pay health care? They don't have to pay. They don't have to pay um twenty five, thirty dollars an hour to the person that they would employ. They can give us minimum wage. We're still making good money because we're incarcerated and we can send all that money home. So it's a, it's a terrible thing that they say they're preparing you to enter society, but yet they won't allow you to take care of your families that you left behind. So your kids end up going through the revolving door through the school to prison pipeline, which we're gonna probably touch on in a later show. But this is the type of things that contribute to that. And absolutely, it just uh, the the inc the criminal justice system in America impacts millions of people, and it impacts more so than most people think because they forget about the families that 
are on the outside. Now, there are more myths than just the ones that we talked about. We talked about the most prevalent, the most virulent, and the ones that are really in society the, you know, the deepest. They have the deepest roots. Uh, thank you for joining us. And, you know, Philip, thank you. Thank you for bringing your perspective. Oh, yeah, man. But, you know, before I go, I want to say, man, I think my whole ambition and drive right now is to spotlight positive mental health you know, coping strategies for those incarcerated. Also, I want to educate and build relationships, you know, with the youth, you know what I'm saying, in the effort to shatter that prison, school-to-prison pipeline, because I was a, I was one who went through that. You know, I was one, one of the ones who was victimized by that process. So, you know, I appreciate the time. Um, I love the show. Um, I, I look forward to the next one.